Welcome to the Community Health Alliances podcast brought to you by Monarch Healthcare Management as a donation to Care Resource Connection. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Steve Coring, the Fire Chief for the City of St. Louis Park in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. And I'm Amy Looked, the CEO of Care Resource Connection. I am really excited about our guest today. We we have been talking on this podcast about community health and, and how it impacts not only the specific community, but its relationship to public health. And I think today we have probably one of the leading experts uh, in the state of Minnesota on this topic. Uh, so I'm excited to have Dr. Michael Wilcox. Uh, Dr. Wilcox is a board certified family practice physician. He's practiced in rural Minnesota for 38 years. He did all of his degree work at the University of Minnesota and, uh, and he completed his Bush Medical Fellowship in critical emergency care in 85. Um, I would call Dr. Wilcox an early architect of community paramedicine, and he currently uh, offers clinical skills training and oversight of those programs, uh, the development of policies and protocols. He's very engaged in outcome analysis and quality assurance initiatives. And if you haven't had the chance to see him, he's also a national conference speaker, a gifted ambassador for community paramedicine, and we're fortunate to call Dr. Wilcox our medical director for our Community Health Alliance. So, Dr. Wilcox, welcome to the podcast. Uh, we ex we're excited to have you on board. Tell us a little bit about what you've been up to. Well, thanks so much, Amy and Steve. Uh, it is my pleasure to be a part of the podcast's uh, work today. My background, as Steve had mentioned, is one of primary care, family medicine, and uh, emergency medicine work in the rural parts of our state. About 12 years ago, I uh, headed up a pilot program uh, related to developing a curriculum for community paramedics, community EMTs, and we have continued to uh, expand on that over the last several years. It has been my pleasure during this time as well to provide medical direction for initiatives in community health, where community paramedics and community EMTs could be um, utilized to provide services for patients in their homes where they uh, need an access to uh, health care. So it's been my pleasure to be a part of this over the last several years, and we continue to expand on those programs uh, in the short and long term. As it stands right now, uh, we have programs that we have in place, both in a metro and in a rural setting, where EMS providers who have been uh, educated to a little bit higher level of skill set can act as uh, affiliates in providing uh, direct patient care where we find them uh, in need of services uh, in the, in the uh, rural and the uh, uh, metro areas. So it's really a great opportunity for me to continue to expand on those services as we continue to do this community health initiative. It has been very, very much uh, in place uh, over the last two and a half years when COVID uh, ended up um, causing some issues related to access to healthcare and getting into clinics and uh, hospital settings for management of medical problems. And in those settings, we have been able to develop significant partnerships with other community health uh, organizations 
to assist in uh, handling patient care uh, in the management of COVID testing, COVID vaccination programs, and expansion of work uh, in culturally diverse communities where, uh, again, access to health care has been uh, quite, quite a, a problem for, for many folks. So we continue to expand on those initiatives, and it has been a very, very nice opportunity for me then to work also uh, in the St. Louis Park community in uh, combination and in partnership with uh, the uh, St. Louis Park Fire and the alliance uh, that Amy is watching over in uh, extending uh, in-home and community-based uh, health care within that community as well. So I continue to, uh, to do this kind of work, and I really enjoy this opportunity to be a part of the podcast today. Thanks. Thanks, Dr. Wilcox. And I guess one of the questions that comes to mind is, as you present this topic or talk about this uh, across the country, what are, what are you finding are the biggest barriers or the questions, or maybe it's, maybe it's the resistance to the idea of the work that, uh, that needs to get done? You know, see, that's a great question. And, you know, I think what we, what we really have uh, had to do uh, on kind of a recurring uh, level is let individuals know that uh, EMS providers can do much more in the area of the healthcare of, uh, arena than providing 911 response and uh, assisting with public safety initiatives. Certainly, that remains a very important part of what EMS is asked to do in our communities. But what we're finding uh, now is we can actually utilize those resource people to do more than uh, public safety work. They actually have become part of the healthcare team. And as such, they actually can do much of their healthcare work within the communities in which they already have established the footprint. And in that setting, these individuals in particular can be housed uh, within settings where uh, they can go into the homes of uh, patients who need their services and become part of the healthcare team. In order, I believe, to really, uh, really expand on that, however, it is important for our healthcare partners to understand how EMS can provide this additional service. And uh, you need to educate, I think, our healthcare partners as far as what can be done in this setting uh, to allow us to uh, work collectively as a team to get this community health work done. I believe it also is important to let our, uh, our, our, our patients know in the communities in which we serve uh, how EMS can assist them in keeping their, themselves healthy in their homes and the communities in which we find their need to access uh, being in place. I think that's, uh, you know, that's something that Amy and I have obviously recognized as a challenge in our community. Um, having the healthcare system recognize any work uh, that's pre-hospital or post-hospital uh, is a bit of a difficult challenge for healthcare, for the healthcare system to kind of pull that into the healthcare team and be part of that discussion when it comes to decisions around what's best for the patient. Um, do you think that healthcare is moving in a direction where they start to recognize this as an important component of how they need to address community needs? You know, I really do, Steve. I, you know, I think the future of healthcare in our country uh, is going to uh, necessitate, I believe, 
uh, more of a focus on taking care of patients where we find them within their communities and within their home settings. Certainly, there will continue to be a need for uh, opportunities for patients to visit clinics, uh, to visit their providers in a hospital-related system. But if we're going to really be able to handle healthcare efficiently in the future, we're going to need to utilize, as members of our healthcare team, EMS providers within the communities to assist the team, the healthcare team, in getting their patients properly cared for. I believe it will be a more efficient way of handling patient care needs. It'll be economically a much more sound way of handling patient care needs, and it'll relieve much of the stresses and pressures that we're presently feeling uh, in a uh, hospital setting and a clinical setting when it comes to uh, access to health care and patient visit opportunities within those settings. I, I, I would concur with you, Dr. Wilcox. Um, in the work that we're doing here with the Community Health Alliance, we've um, been talking more and more with our long-term care and our senior living partners and they're recognizing where their struggles are as far as staffing and and um, working with the residents and, and resident safety and, and health and wellness. Um, and they're really starting to look more at a space where the Community Health Alliance can fit in to um, to these to the into their model um, to try and prevent readmissions to the TCUs. Um, start working more with uh, independent living sites and the assisted living sites, and then long-term care too. You know, I, I, when you talked about COVID, it brought us back to all the work that we've done with our long-term care partners. And I just want to continue to make sure that they are, you know, as continue to stay at at, at the table and, and be a voice at the table when it comes to these community health discussions. Um, I think that there's a space where the hospitals can benefit from, you know, having the hospital at home. But then I also think there's a space that hasn't really quite been touched yet where the long-term care in the TCU could also benefit from um, the work that you've, you've built and, and the work that we're trying to do here with the Community Health Alliance. Well, I certainly agree with that, Amy. You know, if you look at if you look at staffing uh, issues that healthcare is facing at this point, uh, which COVID to some degree has uh, has uh, has led to uh, some staffing uh, related problems, uh, in the future, in order to allow patients to get into the healthcare setting appropriately and efficiently, uh, we're going to need to deal with patient care in the community where we find a need. So if you're looking at skilled care nursing facilities where we have quite a high number of elderly with chronic diseases, uh, keeping them there healthy with oversight by our community community paramedics, community MTs, uh, through our EMS uh, types of colleagues would be extremely important in that setting. Likewise, assisted living. Likewise, independent living uh, for the elderly. Uh, Having these kind of resources available to do house call visits for these folks to keep them healthy and outside of the need for an emergent response and transfer to a higher level of service where they're acutely ill 
uh, is going to be extremely important in the future um, for the uh, the benefit of all of us uh, who provide health care for these individuals. Dr. Wilcox, I you know I was always I've been struck a little bit with uh, I don't know we've been working on this for a long time, but I mean as a patient uh, within the system, you always kind of assume that your doctor knows what's going on, right? That your physician is aware of everything that's happening. And, and as a primary care physician, how important it is, is it for you to, to just be made aware of what's happening to the patients? I mean, you think about the number of patients a physician sees, um, having a methodology to connect you back to what's going on with that patient in the case where they need something, how, what does that mean to you as a primary care physician? You know, Steve, it, it is extremely important uh, for us who, uh, who do care for patients uh, who are elderly or of a uh, diverse uh, cultural background uh, to know under what circumstances these individuals are presently living. And quite frankly, uh, if I am seeing patients in a clinic, uh, I don't have access to that information. I have no idea. Uh, of the living circumstances of, of my patients frequently. I am not sure that they're living in a safe place. I am not sure that they're living in a setting where they have adequate food and adequate uh, uh, individuals to assist them in remaining independent. I, I'm not aware of uh, perhaps uh, some cultural issues uh, that may prevent a patient from uh, coming to me uh, in the clinic and remaining healthy. I may not be aware of the fact that the medications I'm prescribing for them are too expensive for them uh, to purchase and to utilize, or that they're taking the medications I have prescribed for them in a manner that is efficient and safe. And if I have, as affiliate providers, colleagues of the type we're talking about here, EMS providers who are embedded within the communities, who frequently visit these individuals for circumstances outside of healthcare. I can rely on these individuals who have been trained to a higher level of skill to keep me informed as a member of my healthcare team of the needs of these patients where they're being, uh, where they are living and where they're uh, presently uh, uh, being housed uh, to provide better and more efficient care for them. So I think, so that would then point to the fact we I know we've talked you and I have talked about this the the importance of community health to uh, in an overall uh, model uh, and how it differs from public health and and how community specific social determinants that are driving those specific needs which may be very community centric are important to understand in the broader public health spectrum would you would that was that seems like that's what you were saying right. That is exactly right, Steve. Uh, you know, uh, what we found, I believe, is that uh, networking with public health and uh, additional healthcare uh, organizations within the communities in which EMS is presently serving and has a footprint, when you partner with these organizations, they, it provides additional insights for those organizations to expand on what is best for patient care in the short and long term. And what happens is the patient uh, ends up uh, in a, a more positive setting 
uh, and they stay independent and healthy within their communities, away from the need for emergent transfer and uh, placement in an emergency room or a clinical setting in an emergency type of situation. It's been extremely beneficial in preventing these kind of emergent needs, and it's been very beneficial for better patient outcomes to keep them healthy in their homes within their communities. Well, the work that we've been doing here is starting to expand. Uh, we've, uh, and we're going to be sharing a lot of that uh, through our podcast. Uh, other department, fire departments and communities which are seeing this work as important who are taking this model and, and moving it forward. If you, if you were to offer anything as, as kind of one or two kind of priorities that you think are important, what would those be for, the, for those who are considering moving this, this type of a program into their community? You know, Steve, I would suggest uh, two, maybe three, uh, three areas that one would focus upon if uh, one is considering moving in this uh, direction within your, your communities. Number one, I think it would be important to determine within your communities, where are there gaps in health care in which perhaps EMS providers of a higher skill set could assist in filling? Uh, gaps in, in those healthcare uh, areas. That's number one. Number two, I believe it would be important to go to the other healthcare providers within your community uh, to sit down at the table with them uh, to review with them what those gaps might be and how adding EMS providers of a higher skill set as a community paramedic, community MT, might assist their team in more efficient management of that patient's, of their patient's needs. And then the third piece I would feel that would be important would be to make sure that one, when one is embarking on this program, that you have uh, some options available uh, for reimbursement for, uh, through perhaps uh, interaction inter, uh, with other with third-party payers who might in the long-term benefit economically uh, by having this kind of program uh, within the uh, community as well. So sustainability would be important. Uh, economically, the sustainability would be important to have these programs continue and flourish in the short and long term. I think your point's well taken. This is uh, this is the kind of work that's that's really, even though it's been going on a little while, it's really in its infancy and people are trying to figure out a way to make it work within the community. We certainly appreciate your insight and your expertise. Uh, hopefully we can have you back on additional podcasts at a later date. But Amy and I uh, both appreciate your, your, uh, your skills, and we, and we really feel uh, quite honored to have you as part of our, our team here in the city of St. Louis Park. Amy, do you have anything else? No, just to echo what you said, Steve, I, I'm uh, beyond grateful to you, Dr. Wilcox, for your uh, expertise and, and helping with the oversight of, of these programs. And then as we continue to expand, I, I do uh, look at um, reaching back to you on, on for some more guidance as we build out these TCU safe discharge plans and working more closely, bridging that gap between um, EMS and, and our senior living communities. Well, let me say, Amy and Steve, it is my pleasure to be a part of your fine uh, organization's work. Uh, 
Uh, I look upon your initiatives uh, that uh, are going on in St. Louis Park uh, as uh, uh, indicative of uh, uh, fine program development and uh, leading the way for other organizations within our state and within our region uh, who are looking to embark on an EMS uh, type of program of this type uh, to uh, to do some really, really fine work. So it's my pleasure to continue to be a part of this with you folks and whatever I can do to continue to assist in the fine work that you are doing, uh, I'll be very, very pleased to do that. Well, thank you. And for the listeners, we appreciate everything that uh, the time you've taken to tune in and uh, to kind of take advantage of some of the sage advice from Dr. Wilcox. Um, We'll be back for another podcast uh, soon. So thanks again for tuning in and take care. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Please tune in next Wednesday, wherever you listen to your podcasts.